Welcome to On The Money, where you can find out anything and everything to do with finance, business and the economy. On The Money is broadcast live from the studios of Radio 2 SER 107.3, nationwide on the Community Radio Network. I'm Roderick Chambers, and coming up on the program... Do your due diligence going in. So speak to your accountant, speak to your lawyer, um, get those views of people who um, haven't been had the talk up from the franchisor uh, that can look at it in sort of the cold light of day. Over a million Australian households are in mortgage crisis, according to estimates from Digital Financial Analytics. And we have a look at why this is and what you can do to protect yourself from the edge of disaster. Also on the program... So if you've been surviving on debt and sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, a lot of people are hitting the wall and feeling it now. And yes, it may mean that they just can't rely on debt and credit cards to balance things out. The franchise industry has been rocked by scandals in the last year and there's been a spike in complaints to the Small Business Ombudsman's office recently. Their advice is to look thoroughly at what you're getting yourself into. All this and more coming up on On The Money. First, two cataclysmic political crises have arisen on both sides of the Atlantic. One with the shaky UK government led by Boris Johnson, rocked by the news that the courts have found his proroguing of Parliament to be illegal, calling into question his Prime Ministership and across the Atlantic, House Leader Nancy Pelosi has finally pulled a pin on the impeachment of President Donald Trump over an apparent deal to force the Ukraine to investigate rival Joe Biden's son. Now, these simultaneous developments could have a paralysing effect on world trade. And just as about to take off for the airport, I caught up with the airport economist, Tim Harcourt, to get his analysis of the effect on world markets and trade and how it could affect us here in Australia. Well, for the most part, uh, the main issue has been uncertainty that's been uh, affecting world markets. With the UK itself... Most of the exporters I've uh, interviewed for the Airport Economist show have said that they're in the UK market for its own sake regardless. And uh, for the most part, most companies really base themselves in the UK rather than the rest of uh, the rest of Europe. So I think in terms of direct effects, uh, probably not much. But, uh, you know, if there was uncertainty that to continue, then uh, that can have a knock-on effect of it, impact of the global economy. Uh, there's a bit of new technology the UK have that might help you, really. It's, uh, it's this new uh, engine that the, the English scientists have been developing. Is that going to be something that's going to help us for trade in the future? Oh, no, definitely. Uh, when I was uh, recently there in Cambridge, you know, interviewing most of the science uh, biotech companies, the UK is, you know, a very, very big market with a lot of Australian companies there. And I think probably the Brexit shenanigans overshadow the quite good stuff that's happening between Australia and the UK on trade. And, uh, I mean, generally, you know, the IMF predicts that 90% of world trade will be outside the EU in the next five years. So, you know, this europhobia, you know, that we're worried about might not be as big as we think. And, and over the other side of the Atlantic, we've, we've got problems with uh, President Trump 
uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, going to impeach him uh, with, with her colleagues. How is this going to affect his position uh, with trade, given the China relationship at the moment? Well, it might slow things down, although he has hinted that there's going to be a deal with China. Probably the best thing for Australia would be you know, that he avoids a huge stealth with China. We don't want a trade war because everyone loses with that. But we don't want there to be a sweetheart deal too quickly. Uh, so in many ways, Australia could get locked out. So probably uh, we still want some trade, you know, some trade competitiveness, but not a trade war. Yeah, I mean, some commentators have been saying that Australia could end up as collateral damage in this trade war. What what would that look like? What are they talking about there? Oh, no, there's just a, a view that if there was trade diversion, that could be a bit of a problem for us and, uh, uh, you know, being shut out of different markets. All right, well, we, we might leave it there. I think you've got to get on a, on a plane. I being, really do, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mate. All right, okay, cheers. Bye. So that was uh, Tim Harcourt there rushing off from uh, Kingsford Smith Airport and speaking with me there. I'm Roderick Chambers, and you're listening to On The Money throughout Australia on the Community Radio Network. Who knows about what happened to our taxes? On The Money does. Well, it's looking like the Reserve Bank will have another rate cut before Christmas and will be down to just above zero. This should be good for mortgage holders, but with stagnant wages, hotspots of unemployment, it's estimated that over one million households are still suffering severe mortgage stress. Cost inputs such as healthcare, education and fuel means that household debt ratios have reached 200%. IRC CEO and founder of the DG Institute, Dominique Grubscher, how we have ended up in this situation. Uh, we've just basically just built up a head of steam of debt over the last, um, well, prior to the global financial crisis. So in 2008, we all just borrowed way too much. We never paid it back when the rest of the world did readjust and we just dug ourselves deeper and deeper into debt. And there just has to be a day of reckoning, and that's happening now. And where is it? Where is it hitting people the most? Is it particular areas? Uh, well, there is a hit of suburbs when they look at what people earn and where the defaults are on those loans. Um, yeah, there are certain suburbs that are feeling it. Yeah, can can you uh, give us a few examples there? Uh, yes, um, there's Bidwell. Chipping Norton? Chipping Norton, um, Lamia, Mount Annan, Dean Park. And also a lot in uh, country Victoria as well, I've noticed. Yes, in Victoria, um, there's areas like Frankston, um, Roxborough Park, Ballarat So is it mainly uh, centred around the cities or are there country areas um, in other states as well? Uh, it's where people have got into a lot of debt and they're not earning anymore. So, yeah, the regional and country areas where there's 
high unemployment. Um, that's because of too much debt, but also in city areas where uh, housing prices have just gone up so much and people have just got in over their heads and borrowed too much. And then with the market coming back a bit and adjusting, they suddenly find themselves in trouble. So it's kind of like there's two scenarios in a way, isn't there? There's the, the big cities that have got those sort of problems and then there's the country areas where uh, the economy is no good and, and uh, unemployment's high. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. And looking at what you can do about it, what are some of the things that people should be looking at when they're really getting to crisis stage? Well, there's a few things you can do. If you can't pay your debts, there's got to be a reason for it. And the two top reasons are either that you shouldn't have got the loan in the first place, in which case it's a situation of irresponsible lending. And that's on the banks. That's what the Banking Royal Commission was all about. And ASIC and the ACCC are looking at those sort of loan contracts now. So you can fight back and argue your rights that they've lent to you irresponsibly and there's a lot of law in your favour there and the other end extreme is if you can't pay something's changed since you got the loan so if you could afford it in the first place but now you can't because you've got sick or you've lost your job or there's been some changed circumstances then again you've got lots of laws on your side to vary the loan for hardship or change of circumstance. So there's a lot of options and a lot you can do if you just understand your consumer rights and take advantage of them. So you you should talk to your lenders, but you should do a little bit of homework beforehand, shouldn't you? What are the sort of things you need to look at? Yeah, so empower yourself just by knowing your situation and staying in control. It's hard. Um, People tend to put their head in the ground when they're in debt. It's not something we talk about. We tend to want to have a stiff upper lip and you can't share your problems because it's frowned upon. But if you can just face it and deal with it, there's a lot you can do. So the first thing you should do is go to the lender and ask them for your loan file. So by law, you have the right to see what they saw when they lent to you. So they have to comply, they have to produce everything. And then you can go through that. There's so many compliance points that lenders have to get right. They have to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's. And you can actually challenge a lot on the basis of compliance and get reductions in your loans, negotiate debt down, and in many cases have debt written off because the the lender did the wrong thing. Just people don't know what they don't know, so they don't ever fight back. And so if you're asking for a loan file, can you do that with a credit card as well? Yes, absolutely. You're right. Your consumer rights are to ask for your loan application form so that their responsibility to you starts from the point that you applied, first applied for the loan, or sometimes they'll solicit you if they sent you a letter in the mail inviting you to take take up a credit card. So um, we look at it from the point of inception and make sure there's like 100 compliance points between that point, them assessing you as, and the loan product is suitable for you, and then right through to the actual loan documents you signed. And if they're chasing you, the collection methods and the letters that they wrote you in that process of debt recovery. And um, I don't think I've ever, having seen thousands and thousands of people in debt and um, in that debt recovery mode, I've never seen a credit file where they've got everything right. There's always some point we can attack them on.
Mm, I see. Now, there's also a bit of a strategy you can use when you're looking at your credit cards generally, isn't there? Uh, yes. So there's um, you can um, manipulate yourself or influence your situation by paying um, by transferring your credit across to a zero interest credit card and then making the payments to pay that down. A lot of people max their cards up, get to the limit and then just sit on that debt and pay out the interest, the minimum amount every month. But the debt never, ever goes away. So you've got to strategically um, get in a position where you can pay that down. And if you can't get another credit card, like a zero interest um, card, then you can um, look at your credit file. So sometimes they won't lend to you if you've got bad credit on your credit file. There's a lot you can do there to clean that up as well. And what about just uh, having a, a decent, long, long, hard look at the way you're spending as well? There's, there's, there's things that probably you, that you don't need to do at this time. You could probably cut back on a few things, couldn't you? Yes, we tend to live beyond our means um, because credit has been so easily available up until now. But banks just aren't lending as freely, even though interest rates are really low. We've come out of a royal commission and um, the watchdog bodies like ASIC are still going after banks. So they're under the microscope. And the latest is unfair loan contracts. So they're really watching how they lend. So if you've been surviving on debt and sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, a lot of people are hitting the wall and feeling it now. And um, yes, it may mean that they just can't rely on debt and credit cards to balance things out and do what they've always done. And I think you also recommend that uh, you have a go at negotiating with some of your lenders. Uh, How would you go about that? Well, they have inside each um, lender, anyone who lends money in Australia has to have a credit license. And to get that credit license, you have to be a member of the Financial Complaints Authority and you have to have your own internal dispute resolution system. So you can go to your lender and they have to negotiate with you. By law, they have to listen to you, try and work out a resolution. And if you can't get any joy there, you can go to the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, AFCA. So that's a body that's run by ASIC that basically mediates issues and has the power to order compensation or write-off loans or um, vary loans. Um, So you don't have to spend money on a lawyer or go to court um, and you can lodge that complaint online in a couple of minutes. Just to sum up, if you feel like you're getting into trouble, how should you approach it? Put your hand up straight away. Like when you're in a hole, stop digging. Um, Put your hand up and go to the lender and explain the problem and try and vary the loan. You can get a pause on the loan, a moratorium. You can capitalise the interest, have it added to the loan. Or you could challenge them on a compliance ground and get the loan written off or paid out of cents on the dollar. If that doesn't work, then you can escalate it by lodging an online complaint with AFCA and they'll appoint then a case manager to look at the situation and to mediate. And and give you a bit of a hand there because, you know, if there's some things that you don't understand, they'll obviously know more about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Dominique Grubcher, CEO and founder of the DG Institute, speaking with me there.
ride the gravy train with us. Many franchisees have been going through a rough patch lately, with the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office getting a spike of over 50 complaints last quarter. Hidden costs and supply constraints can hamstring a new business, and you can find yourself working 70 hours a week just to keep ahead of the capital loan debt. I asked Craig Latham, Deputy Ombudsman for Small Business and Family Enterprise, that with all the scandals in the last year from the franchising sector, what sort of issues his office was finding to be the most common? Yeah, well, certainly there the, was a parliamentary joint committee uh, that looked at all, all the industry uh, and looked at what was going wrong and sort of what could be done. Um, we do a lot of um, disputes under this. We get about on average, about one a day a dispute under the uh, franchising code or um, from a, generally from a franchisee. So sort of 80% of our disputes come from franchisees. And it can be any range of issues here. So um, it will include things like, you know, um, marketing funds not having visibility over what's being spent and whether it's being spent. Um, it can be um, um, being locked into purchasing items from uh, the franchisor um, and at, at what franchisees think are too high a rate that limits their ability to um, make profit um, through to um, problems in at the end of a franchise or when you want to get out of a franchise, being able to um, sell off the, uh, your interest uh, and, and actually get money back from all the, the money and effort you've put into building the goodwill of your particular franchise business. Because I think a lot of that uh, has come from the... the McDonald's model in a way in that you've you've given the franchise you've got the branding and so forth but you've got to to maintain quality you've got to buy all of your product and all of your imports have to come from us and our brand and then that's sort of you know there's no competition you can't get anything cheaper then can you yeah and and that can be good um, provided that you can make sufficient profit off it so that that they're um, sourcing the, the, the goods as competitively as possible and passing them on to you at a competitive price as well. Um, that's not a bad thing. So franchises, when they work well, are brilliant things. So that's where you are um, buying into a system that's been developed and adding your heart and soul into it as well and building up your business as well. But being having the support, a great franchise will give you good training and good support in running your business. I mean, some of the food uh, side of things, they've been complaining about uh, the the location of the store. And I would have thought that the location of the store was really up to the franchisee in the in the first instance. But apparently, that's not always the case. Is, is that some of the cases yeah. you run across? Yeah. So, so you, you've got to be careful with a lot of things. And this look, our message is do your due diligence going in. So speak to your accountant, speak to your lawyer, um, get those views of people who um, haven't been had the talk up from the franchisor uh, that can look at it in sort of the cold light of day. Now, some of the, the things to look out for are if I am given a region, how big is that region? Um, who else might be competitors? This might be other franchisees, but it might be also other competing businesses. Who else sits inside that region? Um, can the franchisor 
also sell online. And so the people inside your region might also be purchasing online and you don't even get to see the profit or you get a maybe get a cut of that profit, um, but often you won't get to see it at all. Um, when you are uh, going to, say, a, sh a large shopping centre, uh, the franchisor will often um, hold the lease uh, and uh, negotiate that lease. And some of the complaints we, we get is that the franchisor is not necessarily as good a negotiator as what the franchisee might be over the, the terms of that lease. Um, so all these things, this is really where up front you need to, as franchisee going into this, into a franchise, you need to have eyes wide open and ask those sorts of questions and have good support, accounting and, and legal uh, support beside you to help you make a good decision. And also you can be ending up spending like uh, every waking hour and perhaps not so waking hour in yeah. the business because of the way the uh, the cost structure actually sort of pans out. How? What sort of things do you need to look for to avoid ending up being a, a sort of a slave to the franchise saw? Yeah, you've got to be really careful that it's not, when you go into the franchise, that it's not dependent on you not paying yourself a wage, right? So that when you go in into the thing, you need to work out, okay, if I'm running this this business, what are my hours going to be to make it profitable, right? And what am I getting paid for those hours? Who else do I need to bring in as employees? How many and how does all this fit uh, alongside us? what I'm doing. Um, again, accounting uh, expertise beside you as you go in to, to have a look at, um, at the, the way the uh, franchise works. Also speaking to other current and past franchisees of the business who can give you a little bit of that insight. But again, um, you know, you have to rely on not just what what people are telling you, but your, you yourself and also your independent advisors who sit on your side. Yeah, and uh, um, is this some of the things that the ACCC found uh, when they were doing their investigation? Yes, yeah, so, so certainly, yeah, the ACCC um, is very interested as much of government is very interested in, in uh, the success of franchising and where things go wrong. Um, we as an organisation, so we're the Australian Small Business Family Enterprise Ombudsman, um, we help deal with um, both uh, sort of the broader system issues, but also those particular one-to-one -one disputes. Right. And, um, and if you're... So when would, uh, as a franchisor or a franchisee, either one, when would they be most likely to come into contact with you? Uh, so for our office, uh, you'd come into contact with us whenever you have a, a dispute with the um, franchisor that you can't actually resolve yourself. So you, the, the normal way, when, when something goes wrong, so it might be, look, I want more detail around the marketing fund or whatever it might be, um, you would talk to the franchisor and say, look, I've got a problem here, try to resolve it. If you can't resolve it, you can come to our office and we will help with that resolution. So we'll do some of the uh, initial just uh, working out what the issues are and then get you to a mediator who can help with it. So you, you kind of uh, clarify and facilitate rather than adjudicate. Yeah, so our office doesn't do the adjudication. The mediator will help the parties work through the issues so that they um, can hopefully get a way through that keep everyone happy. It's The, the way I describe uh, franchising is often like a marriage, right? So you, you are bound together in this. So And... and 
most of your interests are aligned here. Some of them aren't. Um, but when you have a problem, um, there is an imbalance. The franchisor, as a rule, will be stronger than the franchisee. Not always, but, but um, will, as a rule, be stronger. And so there, there is a difficulty. Franchisees often have a real difficulty in um, coming out and saying, look, I've got a problem to start with, and then a real difficulty in resolving that as well. And that's where our office steps in to help both parties actually understand, look, this is the franchising code that applies across the top. This is your franchising agreement, what you've signed up for and how the, the two interact. Um, and uh, then here's some ways that we can help you work through this. If people are having a little bit of a, a problem and trying to work things through, maybe a call to your office might be a way to get them through a, a rough patch. And, yeah, look, we'd, yeah. we'd love to, if, if you're thinking about this, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we've got a, um, a telephone number that people can call. Uh, so it's 1300 650 460. That's 1300 650 460. We have a website as well. And uh, the, the upside of having such a difficult name is we get a difficult acronym, but you will be able to find us asbfeo.gov.au or just Google us, um, Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. Craig Latham, Deputy Ombudsman for Small Business and Family Enterprise, speaking with me there. This is On The Money Around Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm Roderick Chambers. That's about it for us on On The Money This Week. Tune in again next week to find out everything you need to know about finance, business and the economy. On The Money is produced in the studios of Radio 2 SER for the Community Radio Network with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find all of our shows and stories at 2ser.com slash on the money. Subscribe to our podcast. New episodes coming out every week. Follow us on Twitter, look for at OnTheMoney2SER and find us on Facebook and Instagram for updates. I'm Roderick Chambers and we're going to be back again next week to give you the inside running on all things financial. Thanks for your company.